Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. teach this evening simply from this thought, the right foundation. In the book of 3 John chapter 1 and verse number 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, I don't think that, that I or perhaps anybody here has ever doubted that God has a desire for his children to prosper. I've never doubted that in my whole life. I don't think I've ever doubted, even as a young man, that God did not want to bless his church, bless his people. And uh, now that, I, I, that somewhat differs from the prosperity gospel that is prominent in the church, in some areas of the church world. And that flawed gospel teaches us that we won't ever have a rainy day. And I think we all know that that is just simply not the truth. But God in his word teaches us that he wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. And I think that's an important portion of that passage of scripture that wherever we go in life that we need to take our spirit man with us. And uh, there should be a balance of both physical and spiritual prosperity. And I, I believe that, that God desires his children to, to, uh, to succeed in every area of their life. Whatever your uh, your field of labor or your vocation, whatever you want to call it, whatever that may be, I believe that God would like for us to excel in that and be the very best that we possibly can. I, I truly would from my heart believe that, but I believe that we must also be committed to taking the Lord with us. We can climb the corporate ladder as high as we would like to climb, but we need to make sure that we climb only as high as God is willing to go. Amen. And so we need spiritual prosperity so that we can develop in him and, and build a firm foundation that will sustain us during seasons of hardship or, or times of trial in our life because there will be seasons of hardship. There just absolutely will. That's not being negative. It's just a fact of life. And it is a fact of life even for born-again men and women of God. We're going to need something to sustain us in the heat of the battle. Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 13, we find the parable of the sower. And from verses 3 through verses 9, uh, the, the Lord gives this parable about the various kinds of soil that the seed falls upon. But if you, in that same chapter, if you drop down to verses 18 through about verses 23, you'll find that those passages of Scripture is really a commentary to the very few, the, those first verses of Scripture. 
and it just it just expounds on them and it expands our, the train of thought, and so it gives just a little bit more explanation. I want to begin reading in Matthew 13 and verse 20. The Bible says, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, or that word means immediately, with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of because of the word, by and by he is offended. So somebody receives the word on stony ground and, and they're quick to grab that and with joy they immediately receive that. But because there is not root in them, because there is not foundation in them, when times of persecution comes, when times of tribulation comes, there, and, and he said that will come. It's going to, be, it's going to come if for no other reason. It's going to come because of the word. It's going to become because of the truth. Amen. And he said, and by and by, because there is no foundation, because there is no root, that they will be offended. And certainly we can safely read into that that they will go by the wayside. And so we should need to hear, hear the word of God and we need to hear the word of God. So when tribulation and persecution arises, and it's not if, is, is that word is not in this equation because difficult times, just, they just happen to the, to the kindest of people. It's not, because of, it's not because of sin necessarily in somebody's life or fault or error. We see that many times in Scripture. But the Bible says in difficult times because there was no root in time or by and by, they are offended. And, uh, you, you know, we're more and more familiar with these terms in, in today's world, but there are people that are lactose intolerant. And in short, that simply means that they have an allergy to milk. And the problem is not the milk, but the problem is the makeup of the person. And so there's nothing wrong. Somebody else could drink the same cup, from or same milk from the same cup, and nothing be wrong. And so, so the milk is good, but the person... Because of something in them, they have a hard time digesting that. And so, by the same token, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. As a matter of fact, Simon Peter even referred to the Word of God as sincere milk. There's nothing wrong with the Word of God, but there are sometimes that, that people have a difficult time digesting the Word of God. It's not the Word. Amen. Now, I'm going to use an illustration here that Maybe not everybody, but perhaps a vast majority has struggled with it from time to time. There have been people that I've watched receive the Holy Ghost the very first time they seems like thought about it. Just got one hand halfway lifted in the air. And I've watched other people pray and pray and pray and seek and tarry, whatever word you want to insert there. And, and if we're not careful because of our relationship or our, I don't mean that in a literal way, but our friendship to a person, we can just start wondering what's wrong with us. Are we not praying enough? Are we not fast enough? Is our church not spiritual enough? And on and on and on. But you see, the word of God is the word of God. And so we, we, can't, we, can't, we can't start questioning the word of the Lord. We've got to understand that sometimes we've got to take a deeper look inside in our own in our own lives in our own heart and so some maybe struggle with living for the lord but in reality living for god is not difficult 
at all. Living for God is not difficult, especially if you live for the Lord with everything you have. Now, I'll tell you when living for God gets very troublesome, that's when you're on the fence. That's a miserable place to live. You've got to be all the way in. You've got to commit yourself. Amen. The same is true concerning the law of the land. You know, some people really struggle with keeping the law of the land. But, but, it, but it's not a struggle to those that have it in their heart to keep the law. Amen. I mean, if you're not doing 100 miles an hour, there's no need to panic if you see a law enforcement officer riding down the road. The law is nothing to fear if you're a keeper of the law. Paul said to the Roman church, he said, rulers are not a terror to them that do good, but they're a terror to them that do evil. And so there's nothing to fear if we have it in our heart to keep the law. And so I believe with all of my heart that salvation is a matter that we must take so serious. Salvation. I mean, there, there are so many pitfalls that can be avoided in our life if we just follow the warnings that are given to us all throughout the scripture, amen. I found myself in trouble before and when the trouble hit, I realized that I had stepped over a lot of red flags to get where I was. Amen. Please don't leave me out here to drown by myself. I'm not the only one that stepped over red flags. Amen. There have been many, many cautions that we just kind of navigated around. We explained away. And all of a sudden, when things imploded in our world, we realized, you know what? There were a lot of warnings. There were a lot of things there that I had to ignore to be where I am. And so I want to I turn our attention to the book of Hebrews, and, and that's where we're going to primarily spend. Hebrews is a wonderful book, a wonderful book to read and a wonderful book to, stay, to, to study from. And uh, it's from this age book that we're going to, Consider several keys I think that can help us through time. Uh, I said a, a couple of times that I am going to share a lot of scriptures, but if you will, just follow along as closely as you can. Um, I, I, I did opt tonight to use the New King James Version just because of the vernacular. I want you to be able to understand, everybody to be able to understand what we're talking about. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard Lest we drift away, lest we drift away, we must give a more earnest heed to the things that we have heard because if we don't, we run the risk of beginning to drift. Now, the, the writer here is, I think, making one of the most fundamental statements that could ever be made. If you're going to stay in possession of the promises of God, then you, we must give the more earnest heed. We must heed the word of God. That's another way to say that we are going to have to listen. We have to hear not just with our ear, but we have to listen with our heart. Now, please forgive this illustration, but there is a, a, a video that has floated around the Internet. kind of comes around, and, and it will go off the scene and come back around. And uh, I, I find it funny. I realize if you don't, I understand why you may not. But uh, most people simply recognize this. A little boy talking to his girl. Most people recognize this video uh, by the little boy calling her Linda, Linda, Linda. Linda, Linda, Linda. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I'm not the only carnal one here in the house. You helped me tonight. But in this video, this little boy is pleading his cause, or pleading his case 
to what I think is his mother, and he is trying to get her to listen. Now, I can understand that maybe a little bit of disrespect there, but there's, there's a lot of humor in there as well. But if we're honest with ourselves, listening can be a challenge. Because we hear a lot, but we don't listen nearly as much as we hear. I know every wife right now is just wanting to say, Amen. <laughs> Amen. And if you're not sitting with your husband, you wish you were right now. Because we do a lot of hearing and not a lot of listening. I find myself having to say to my wife, Would you say that again? I heard something. But I honestly wasn't listening. I, I didn't take the time to listening to listen. And so listening can be difficult to listen. We've been listening to, uh, I like to listen to some podcasts, not always just teaching or, or not always just preaching, but sometimes teaching. And, and so sometimes if you're not careful, your mind can drift and you got kind of, you got to back that. Thank God for technology. You can kind of replay that again and get an opportunity to listen again. And, and it's a lot easier to hear than to listen. Listening takes effort. Listening involves our mind. It involves our body. It involves our senses. And, and, and often, and very often, listening in and of itself invokes a response. Hearing doesn't necessarily invoke a response. But listening invokes a response. And so we should listen carefully to the truths that we've heard and taught. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Because if we don't, we run the risk of drifting away from them. Principles that, that, that go unmentioned. After a while, we just, we just kind of come loose from the dock and begin to drift in those areas. And so that's why there's no such thing as hearing something taught too many times, preached too many times. I mean, I'm not just talking about redundancy for redundancy's sake, but there's no such thing as hearing it too often because if we don't heed the word of God, the writer says that we take a chance of drifting in us. And so that's why we must get the word of God in us. In the book of Hebrews 2, verse 2, the Bible says, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, he said, how often we go to verse 3, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, but we really need to listen to verse number 2. Uh, there is certainly merit in verse number 3, but, but in, in verse 2 he said, if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, and so if every disobedience was corrected and received a just reward, how shall we escape? If those before us had to give an answer, then how do we think that we're not going to have to give an answer? Amen. He said, how, how if we neglect so great salvation, then how are we going to escape? We're going to be without excuse. Verse number two, if, if that word spoken through angels proved unalterable, if that word spoken through angels proved unalterable and then every transgression would have to be answered for the question then remains to you and I, how shall we escape? Amen. And so the hearing is more important than just the preaching. We've got to get it in our mind and in our heart. But it doesn't just stop there. 
because James said in chapter 1, verse 22, that we have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word, but we've got to be a doer of the word. And so that's where listening invokes a response. We have to hear something, we receive that into our heart, now we've got to do something about that. And so to him that doesn't know to do good, there's, there, there's no consequence, but to him that knows to do good and then does not do that good, to, to him that now there is a consequence, amen. So how shall we escape if we do not allow the word of God to work in our life? We're going to have to practice what has been received. Another thing that the writer warns us about is guarding your heart. Now, many of you on an individual basis over the years have heard my wife and I both use this phrase, not only publicly, but, but perhaps privately to you, to say, guard your heart. Now, that's not just something we're tossing out there to have something to say. There is a real important principle in guarding your heart because hardness of heart begins when a person refuses to obey the word of God and the will of God. And when the Spirit of God is trying to soften us and mold us and shape us and we don't allow that to happen, our heart can get callous and hardened to those things. The Bible says in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Verse, verse 13, if we were to drop down there, the Bible says, exhort one another daily while it is called today. Amen. Lest any of you hard, be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so sometimes that is a daily basis to issue, to guard your heart. Guard your heart. If you haven't been through anything where you had to guard your heart, you need to listen to me tonight. Because life will present you something before it's said and done. You're going to have to guard your heart not one time in the matter of 30 or 45 seconds. You've got all that nailed down. But I'm talking about something that the enemy will bring back to your life again and again and again and again. I believe it is in the book of Nehemiah um, where, I believe, it is, I believe I am right, where he said that the... Uh, that the uh, Sons of Tyre were coming and they were selling wares in the uh, house of the Lord on the Sabbath day. And uh, so he went to them and he said, no, we're not going to have this. Your fathers would not be pleased with this and we're going to stop this. And the Bible says that they came back. I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but I'm, I'm within the, con, con, the confines of the word that they come back. They came back again. They had the gall to come back again. And Nehemiah walked out and let them know if you come back again, there's going to be trouble. And so what my point is, is that just because Nehemiah went to them with a correction and because Nehemiah went to them with the law on his side, with the word of God on his side, was not, enough, was not a sign that they had it in their heart to not try to come back. And so just because we pray one prayer it's not necessarily going to do the job. We're going to have to do that on a daily basis. Amen. Guard your heart. Don't harden your heart, says in the day of rebellion, in the trial of the wilderness. He said, your fathers, they tried me. They tested me and, and, and they saw my works for 40 years. And so sometimes it is a daily battle. Solomon said, happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Amen. Lord, help us to guard our heart. 
Another thing that the writer speaks to us about is, is in, <clears throat> imploring us to mature spiritually. The lack of spiritual growth ultimately will lead to spiritual detriment. You can't just hang around the church and get this. It will not happen. It will absolutely not happen. We have to allow the Spirit of God to cause us to grow and mature. And, and so if, if we just hang around, then we can be, as one man said, we can be a mile wide and an inch deep. But we need the root. Spiritual growth is not an option. We can't live our lives in the shallow end of the pool. At some point, we've got to train our mind. At some point, we've got to train our senses. And at some point, we've got to train our body to distinguish what is right and what is wrong. Amen. You can keep a fence up in your yard and you can, you can keep your children in that fence all of, the, uh, all of their life if you so choose. But at some point, at some point, it's going to make sense to have a fence. At some point, it's going to make sense for them to not try to climb the fence. But at some point, it's not going to make sense. Amen. And so we have somewhere along the line, you can't just point out danger. At some point in the journey, we've got to see the danger for ourselves and train ourselves. Listen to what Hebrews 5, 12 and 14 says. It says, for, through, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, he said you need someone to teach you. At this point, <laughs> he said you ought to be teachers. But we're still having to teach you. Amen. There, that's pretty pointed, isn't it? You ought to, you, for this, you've had enough time that you ought to be teachers, yet you need someone to teach you. You need them to teach you again. The first principles are the oracles of God, and you have, need, you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses ex exercised to discern both good and evil. I mean, there's a powerful lot of truth in these three verses of Scripture. He said, you, you, are, you should be teaching others, and you yourself are depending upon that word to come to you day in and day out. And he called that, he said, the first principles of the oracles of God. In other words, you're still are on the first block. You're still on the first page. You're still reading the first chapter again and again and again. And at some point, and by now, you should be teaching this. And he said, if you are still on milk after all of this time, you are unskilled in the word of righteousness and you are still a babe. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age and those who by reason of, have, of use have exercised, have senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen. After a while, we need something that puts meat on our bone. After a while, we need something that comes to us straight and forward and direct. Amen. You know, you know baby food is uh, primarily, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming it is primarily what it says on the jar. Whatever, whatever that ingredient would be. I've been, I'm a long way removed from baby food, so you just got to. I'm, I'm slid out here in uncharted, <laughs> slid out here in uncharted waters. I mean, they need somebody to come and get me. In there. But, but it, it, it's it's not the same. It, it could say it could say filet mignon on the on the jar, but it's not going to be the same thing as filet mignon that's sitting on a plate. 
because they realize that that child is not able to digest it and so it's already pureated, it's already pulverized. All you gotta do is just swallow. It's all, much of the process has already been taken care of and I'm not trying to be too graphic here but I'm telling you at some point we need people to be able to come in, sit down, somebody step behind this pulpit, open the word of God, say get out your knife, get out your fork. We're gonna have a meal tonight. We're not serving milk. We're not serving puree. This is not jello. Amen. We get the word of God to touch our heart. And if we are less than that, then that means that we are not spiritually mature. With all of that knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord ought to keep us moving into the deeper things of God. Learning. I'm talking about learning the ways of God, the heart of God. Hebrews 6 and 1 and 2. The Bible says that leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of doctrines of baptism and of laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Or in other words, there it comes at some point, and this is certainly not to say that the principles of God, the beginning principles of God, at some point become irrelevant, as some have supposed, that we no longer need that and that is no longer applies to our life. Nothing could be further from the truth. What the writer of Hebrews is saying that at some point you got to get out of chapter one. At some point you got to stop repenting. At some point you got to stop being baptized. At some point you got to stop praying through. Is it all right to just say that? At some point you got to get it and keep it. At some point, you got to stand on your own feet. At some point, you just got to stand and be counted and say, Lord, I'm just in this thing. I'm thrown in the, I've thrown it all in. I've, all the chips are on the table, and we're going forward. I mean, there comes a time when we got to move past the milk of God's word. There comes a time that we got to reach with every fiber of our soul and being for the word of God to be made manifest in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, I mentioned a moment ago about going through difficult times and going through some trying times in your life. Never, never will anything put meat on your bones like going through something difficult because it's at that moment you realize this book is not just a piece of literature. You realize at that time that this book is not just something taking up space on a shelf. But this book is full of eternal truth. And when the Lord said, if you'll seek me first and, his, and my righteousness and I'll add all these other things to you, amen, when you put God first and then you watch God start working in your life, you'll back up and say, you know what? That word is true. And when we need God to give us guidance and strength and hope, amen, when we need the Lord to make a way where there is no way, amen, and sometimes God doesn't move until our back is against the absolute wall, but God's word is true and he will go with us all way, even to the end. And you know what? That's not just a scripture to quote for some of us because we've been with God all way at the end and he was right there. He was right there. Praise God. Paul wrote some very, very pointed words to the Corinthian church as he should have because they were a mess. So Paul says in chapter 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, he said, but I had to talk to you as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And he said, and even now you're not able. 
Because in verse 3, he said, because you're still carnal. Amen. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He said, the reason I know you're not ready for the meat and the reason I know you're still addicted to the milk is because you still have envy and strife and divisions among you. He said, you're not spiritual at all. You're carnal. Amen. Paul wasn't running for office. He was trying to get people to heaven. And he said, you're, you, I haven't been able to feed you meat now because you're just, you're just a spiritual babe and you're still carnal right now. As I speak, you're still carnal. And so we should concern ourselves, I think, with spiritual maturity. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, Paul says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to have a sense of spiritual discernment to receive things from the Spirit of God. Amen. The natural man cannot discern spiritual matters. And so there are some things that will never be understood until we grow in the spirit. We have probably all been at some point in our walk with God where we didn't understand something. But you didn't fight against it. You just obeyed it whether for whatever reason, whether it was because you saw it in the word or somebody was teaching it from the word of God and you just stepped into that by sheer faith and obedience. And you know what? As you begin to grow in the Lord, the light came on in your heart and you begin to see that Amen, I know what I'm saying is true. I absolutely know what I'm saying is true because I've experienced it in my own life. But through the years, many, many people have come to me with tears in their eyes, joy in their heart and said, you know what, I've been doing something for a long time, but today, amen, or whatever, and I, I've, I see it. It's in the word of God. It's in my heart. And you know what had to happen? Is somebody had to just keep growing in the Lord. They just had to keep growing in the Lord. And as you grow in the Lord, your eyes, your understanding, because if you're hungry, he'll feed you. And if you want to see it, he'll open your eyes to it. If you want to hear it, he'll open your ears to it. My Lord, I'm thankful for the response to that tonight. It's there. It's the truth. It's not my message. It's not this church's message. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Many things. They'll never be understood until we grow in the Lord. Amen. I believe that also the writer talks about that we must have faith in what we could call the finished work of Christ. There is no other name, no other way except through Jesus Christ. The power of that name is immeasurable. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verses 19 and 20 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So we have to, at some point in our walk with God, we have to lay aside any and all worldliness of the flesh. We must destroy flesh. We need to boldly enter to the holies of holies and we can do that because of the finished work of Christ on Calvary. Amen. Without dying at the self, we're only gonna, we're only gonna enjoy a measure of the things that we could really enjoy if we'll just give ourselves wholly and completely to the Lord. 
Hebrews 10, 22 said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so we need a true heart of faith that will remove an evil conscience. We need the spirit of God to touch us. And what the writer is saying is that we have that because we have access to the holiest of holies Amen, I hope you're understanding the Old Testament, the New Testament parallel here. Amen, prior to this, in the Old Testament, the high priest had to go into the holies of holies for us. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says in the temple that the veil was torn in two, literally, the veil was torn in two and that made a provision for common man to go in the presence of an uncommon God. Amen. Now we don't have the Spirit of God over there contained in the Ark of the Covenant, contained in a box, but we have the Spirit of God. Amen. Isaiah said it's not going to be written on tables of stone, but it'll be written on the, t- the flesh of our heart. Praise God. We've got to have hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Mount Calvary. My Lord, I think we ought to lift our hands and just love him. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for the finished work I thank you for the finished work that was done on Mount Calvary for us today. Praise God. Praise God. If we drop down to verses 23, Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, I think that we can find great hope in clinging to the promises of God. Great hope. Great hope. Hold fast, the writer said, without wavering. The power of always trusting God and His Word, there is absolutely no way to measure that power. To say, Lord, you said it, and I'm going to believe that. Amen. (laughs) My, my, my. I just feel the Holy Ghost on me today. I feel the power of the Lord in this house. Amen. I feel the power of the Lord in this house. The power of trusting God at his word. Amen. Whether that word is written or that word comes to us in prayer. Amen. The trust God at his word. As I begin to think on that today, this old song just came to my heart. I'm not going to try to sing it, but I do want to recite the words of this that says, "'Tis so sweet." to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. I'm gonna tell you, amen, if you just see the words of this song, if you can hear the words of this song, what power there is. The Bible says, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace, to trust him more. No matter how much I trust him, I want to trust him more tomorrow. He said, I'm so glad. The writer says, I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I must stand strong in faith regardless of what I see and regardless of what I feel. 
because this is not a walk of sight and this is not a walk of feelings, but this is a walk of faith. Amen. God promised it and I'm going to hold on to his promise. Amen. Here is one thing that many of us have come to know. The Lord is faithful concerning his promises. <laughs> Hallelujah. He is faithful concerning his promises. I've learned that. Amen. You have learned that. That's not to say that our faith is not challenged in those areas from time to time. Amen. But I know that God is faithful concerning his promises. The writer of Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And oftentimes when this scripture is quoted, our referred to. It is talking about faithfulness and an admonition to be faithful to the house of God. And we certainly ought to be faithful to the house of God. But let's don't stop reading there. Amen. The Bible says, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. I know that we shouldn't ignore our time and opportunity to come together because they may come a, may come a time and probably will come a time if time tarries that we can't get to the house of God. And so while there is time I want to be there. Amen. But you know what? Just showing up is not enough. Just walking in the door is not enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just having a little check mark by our name is not enough. When we come together, the writer says we ought to exhort one another. We ought to encourage one another. He said, and even more so in the hour that we're living in today. You know what? I pray this evening before you go home, on your way home, amen, I hope that you've been encouraged by the music. I hope you've been encouraged by the songs that were sang tonight. I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God here this evening. But in addition to that, I hope some good saint in this church has just by their very presence, their smile, their handshake, their hug, amen, their affirmation has exhorted us. You know what? I feel like I can go another mile. I feel like I can make it another lap. I know that I'm gonna be able to make it not just because they sang this song or they sang that song, not because it was fast or slow or old or new, but it was because I was in the house of God and somebody was encouraging me we're encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those witnesses are not just angelic. Those witnesses are not just spirits. But I've got witnesses in this house that are encouraging me to mow, to move and to move another mile to go forward with him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to glorify him. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. Even so much the more, we ought to encourage one another. Praise the Lord. One, another point, to be honest with you, I don't know how many I have. Nearing the end, I can tell you that. Another point, I was reading something today earlier today in the Pentecostal Life magazine, an article written by Sister Kinsey, and it just prompted something in my heart. She was talking about the importance, it's in the May edition, if you have that. Um, it, is in, it is important how we walk because somebody is following us. You may think, well, I'm not a leader, I don't have a title, I don't do this, I don't do that. I don't, I, I'm, if you're breathing and if you're walking, somebody's following you. 
And so Hebrews 12 and 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Our lives should be an example to others. Wherever you go, now, I get it that you think I ought to live that way because I'm a preacher and the pastor of this church. What a sad situation it would be if I'm the only one that is a testimony in this church or any church. That would be a very, very sad refrain because the truth of the matter is is that all of us are being watched and all of us in some degree, to some measure, are being followed. And so that's why we should exercise great caution and we should measure every step before you just launch out and go do something. You need to think about the ramifications, not just for you, darling, but for everybody that's watching you. Everybody that's analyzing this. Everybody that may be affected by your decision. Amen. We must be very careful because there are those within the church that are obviously watching, but there are also those outside the church that are watching. So I need to measure my steps. I need to think about my response. I need to think about the ramifications for how I'm going to handle a situation perhaps that arises in our life. We need to be very careful because somebody's watching and somebody may follow suit. And I understand this is an age-old illustration and one I've even used dozens of times. But to every parent in the house, you know what I'm saying. To every parent, you don't have to be a parent. You've been, if you've been around children, you know this. When, when children start parroting you, it's not always funny. <laughs> you ever seen a child just pick up a wooden spoon and just beat the fire out of a doll? wonder where they saw that. Moving right along. <laughs> You're ready for these two famous words in closing. <laughs> we need to make sure that, that we're a part of the only kingdom that's going to last. What a sad thing for people to wake up one day and realize that they have bought into the wrong world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They have bought into the wrong world. Hebrews 12 and 27. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I need to make sure that what I'm investing in is going to be there tomorrow. We're living in a time where things that many of us thought were just rock solid, we've watched those things crumble. Jude 
Jude so pointedly talks about uh, three things, four things actually, but he, he talks about three things that that you that people can trust in. He mentions angels, but we know a third of the angels fell. He mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. We think about Sodom and Gomorrah only in a negative sense, but long before Sodom fell, Sodom was a great empire. But Sodom fell. And then, and, then, uh, and then Jude mentions Korah. Korah is an Old Testament character which led people away and mocked Moses. And because of that, Korah was judged and the earth opened up and swallowed a massive amount of humanity because of that. And so there were three things that, that Jude was pointing out that you can put your trust in angels and angels can fail. You can put your trust in man and man can fail. You can put your trust in empires and empires can fail. But he said, but to the only wise God. Jude didn't just paint us a big negative picture here and say you can't trust in anything because before he concluded, he pointed to the God of gods and said, that's where you need to put your hope. That's where you need to put your hope. I'm going to ask you to stand and I will tell you this, that I have, like many of you, I have been shaken when I saw things crumble that we thought were forever. There's probably very few people in this house, especially adults, that don't remember exactly where you were when you perhaps first heard and then saw the images of the twin towers coming down in their own footprint. To be honest with you, it was hard to reconcile that in my mind that this was happening on American soil. We're thinking, how could this happen? We've got the greatest military strength in the world. How, how in the world could this happen? But nevertheless, we, we watched that fall. I'm not, and I'm really not just, while it was a tremendous tragedy of loss of life and the loss of those buildings, I'm not just talking about concrete, mortar, and steel. But our nation was forever, and you know this, was forever changed that day. And so we have to be very careful. I have personally, and I'm not alone in this, but we have, we have been shaken by the failure of people around us. And I've been very fearful when I realized that I could also fall prey to that same thing. We should at least understand. That's, that's why David said of Saul how the mighty are falling. He didn't say how the reprobate has gotten his due. He said how the mighty are falling. Amen. They didn't fail because of the Lord's failure, but they failed because of their own failure. And so I need to heed the warning that that every corrupt thing is going to come to an end. And the Bible said every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So there is a world that I can buy into that's not right. There is a, there's a, there's a world that I can, a kingdom, so to speak, that I can buy into that, that can collapse. And so I want to make sure that I'm building on the right foundation. And so i got to inventory my heart and my life daily because, you see, above everything else in this world, I've got to be saved. Now, I realize tonight the importance that I feel 
that the ministry is and certainly pastoral ministry is. But you see, I'm not, this is not just a job to me. I'm trying to make heaven my home as well. I'm not just trying to get you there and others there. I'm trying to get there myself. I think about this. I'm, I'm not sure uh, if this is fair, but I think about this a lot of times, Brother Williams. I think about how that the servant of Abraham, when he went to get the bride for Isaac, that was a long and an arduous journey. It was not around the block. It was not across the street. Hundreds and hundreds of miles, many miles, desert miles. And how that when he finally got her there and, 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 and they finally joined. I don't know what that servant had to feel, but he had to feel a sense of accomplishment. Job has been done. And what I set out to do has been accomplished. I want to have that same feeling. Don't you? People that you've witnessed to and led to the Lord, I don't know what heaven is going to be I'm being honest with you. I, I can't even comprehend it. But when you can just see people that you have planted the seed of the word of God, whether you're a minister or not, you're a minister. Whether you're a preacher or not, you're a minister. Let me say it that way. Amen. So the Bible says that we must, we must hold fast to this faith, this profession of faith. We've got to hold on to it. Amen. I want to hold on to that. That was once delivered to me. Paul said to Timothy, and I promise I'm quitting. He said, what you have received, commit thou into others. And so we must take the word of God, the good word of God, commit it into the lives of others. And I'm reaching back here in, in my message, but I'll say this. The writer said, you should be teaching, and you're still desiring to be taught. Let's do a little self-inventory tonight and ask ourselves, Lord, help me to grow that I can receive the word of God and I don't want to just be a baby in this all the time, but I want to be sharing the gospel and pouring that word into others. Praise God. Amen. Can we love the Lord together? Amen. I love you, Jesus. I love you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.